This is Tim Staten with Tim Stating the Obvious. What is this podcast about? It's simple. You are entitled to great leadership everywhere you go, whether it's to church, whether it's to work, whether it's at your house, you are entitled to great leadership. And so in this podcast, we take leadership principles and theories and turn them into everyday, relatable, and usable advice. And a quick disclaimer, this show, process, or service by trademark, trademark manufacturer, otherwise does not necessarily constitute an implied endorsement of anyone that I employed by or favors them in representation. The views are expressed here in my show are my own expressed and do not necessarily state or reflect those of any employer. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Tim Stating the Obvious. Let's go ahead and get right into this topic. We've all heard about it, and that's the talent cliff. As one of the largest generations is retiring, which is the baby boomer generation, that means Gen X and millennials are taking the reins. However, are we ready to take over? An even better question is, how are we training the Gen Z folks so we don't run into the same problem when it comes for these two generations to retire? If you've never heard of the term talent cliff, it's a term used to describe a phenomenon that can occur in the workforce where a significant portion of the most skilled and experienced employees are nearing retirement age, and there is a lack of adequately trained or experienced workers to replace them. Now, this gap can create um, a gap in knowledge and in skills that can negatively impact the productivity and competitiveness of any organization. Although this can happen at any new business that starts up as well, right? So you have a small talent pool that you need to get the business up and running and your talent pool gets you where you need to go. And as that business expands, your talent needs to expand because now you have a greater clientele base. And if you don't expand that and you don't expand your talent pool, then you run into the same phenomenon. You run into the same talent cliff. Now, with all that said, this is not a new phenomenon, and organizations have been dealing with this for decades, but with rapid changes in technology, some industries are facing a more severe talent cliff than others. A talent cliff can have severe consequences for an organization, including loss of institutional knowledge and expertise, increased recruitment and training costs, and then also lead to a decline in productivity and overall performance of that organization if not addressed early enough. This occurs because the remaining employees may not have the skills or experience to fill in the gaps left by the departing workers, and because it can take time for new employees to become fully integrated and productive. And we've all met some of those people who hoard knowledge, right? Because they believe, well, if I keep all the knowledge with me, then I have all the power. And we have these, you know, knowledge hoarders. And then they get to the age of where they're getting ready to leave the organization or retire. And everyone's like, oh, what exactly did this person know or not know? And what do I need to get from them? And they hoarded it. And that's a detriment to the the organization. So there are tons of ways that organizations can get after how to mitigate the impact of the talent lift. And that is to develop and implement programs that focus on a few of these areas. Now, this isn't an all-inclusive list. There are tons of uh, lists out there, and there's tons of programs out there that people use. But in my opinion, here are just a few of the common ways that if you apply enough mental rigor into it, if you try hard enough in these areas, you're going to avoid the talent cliff. Now, when I say enough, meaning it'll be enough to get you through the cliff. 
it'll get you to keep pushing that cliff further and further out and for you not to approach it. Uh, but there will come a time eventually if you don't do these things that you will hit that cliff. So this is an ongoing reoccurring thing. It's not just like a one-time fix, right? So the first thing I would say is we need to get into knowledge management, right? And so if you don't know what knowledge management is, is really how do you capture the knowledge of the organization in documents, repositories, data repositories, uh, in programs and gleam the the goodness and capture it and then store it in a way where people can then access that and then download it or read it and then take what they currently know, take what the information they're getting and then turn that information that they're reading into knowledge. So there's a difference between data and knowledge. So data is just information. It doesn't mean anything. It's just there. And only when you apply that data that, you know, with some type of context and background, does it become knowledge. And, and so I, I have a hard time with the term knowledge management versus data management, because yes, you can do knowledge management. However, unless you have the right personnel who constantly follow the design and the architectural build of that knowledge management, then you only have data management. And so it has to be intentional. You have to have people who are designated and uh, primed to do this and only this to make sure that your organization has a good knowledge management program. Because everything has to be filed meaningfully in order for it to become knowledge. If you don't put intention behind it to make it meaningful, then it's just data. And then where are you keeping your lessons learned? Are you even doing a lessons learned repository? After every project uh, that your organization does, you should probably do an after action review on it. You should take a look at it. You should examine it. You should say what went right, what went wrong, what did we learn out of this? And then you take what you've learned on where you're currently at and you turn that into a document where someone can read it and go, well, these were the challenges that we incurred. This is what we overcame. And this is what we would have done differently had we knew what we knew then. So that way, when you do another project and it's similar in scope and size, you can pull that lessons learned down you know, off the etherwebs and you can take a look at it and you could say, you know what? I'm not going to repeat the same mistakes that these previous people made. We're going to learn from their mistakes. We're going to learn from the knowledge that they impart upon us and we're going to do better, right? So that way you end up with a faster, quicker, better product. Only if you implement those lessons learned, right? So you got to have a strong knowledge management to be able to pass that down onto new and incoming employees that have talent. Now, the second area I would say that we need to focus on is skills development, right? So we need to develop people on soft skills. In today's day and age, everything is technology-based. Uh, people text versus call. People send Slack messages or Teams messages versus picking up the phone and calling. People would rather call you two cubicles down or one floor away on the phone then get up from their desk and walk to you and talk to you face to face. 
So human interaction is definitely a skill that needs to be honed, needs to be worked on. Um, and that is definitely one of those soft skills on how to talk to people, read people, learn emotions, learn how to talk with people, not in your emotional space, but in their emotional space and realize that sometimes, you know, especially if you're a leader, your emotions behind this doesn't matter. And you've got to convince that other person to put their emotions down in order to move, move forward. The other thing that we're starting to see through a lot of um, polling in, in, the, in my, I had a hard time coming to grasp with this, that's the hard skills. People are lacking hard skills now. And I don't know why. Um, maybe it's because uh, colleges have turned into more of a, um, you know, philosophical institution, more on, you know, how are they going to make money versus how are they going to teach someone a skill? And I know the common argument is, well, colleges aren't designed to teach skills. Well, that's fine and dandy. Then why are you spending $100,000 a year or more on something that doesn't teach you a skill? It teaches you something. It teaches you a lot of things. And it teaches you mainly your soft skills. And if you're going into a career field where you need hard skills, then you need to make sure that you are working on your certifications, learning the ins and the outs of your trade. What is it that you need to be successful and to be skilled and to be a professional at what it is that you do? So what programs are you having within your organization to continuously educate the people that you have and invest in them to keep up with their hard skills, let alone the soft skills, but the hard skills too, because things are changing. Technology rapidly changes. Things happen. Um, and we need to be abreast of those. So what are you doing to teach and invest in your people? Right. And then how are you capturing their experience when you're interviewing people? How are you looking for the, you know, the pieces of the golden nuggets that are in their experience that they bring with them? And how do you integrate that onto the team with a skills development program? Uh, so I would argue up that if you do not have a skills development program uh, within your organization, that you need to develop one quickly, as well as that knowledge management. Those two hand in hand will definitely uh, help you prevent approaching that talent cl cliff quicker, right? And then another thing that um, probably only the C-suite thinks about, um, but a lot of executives and junior executives and vice presidents and really much anyone in a leadership position should be thinking about succession planning. You know, are people identified within your organization to become the next leaders of that organization? You know, and then how are you identifying them? How are you training them? How are you mentoring them? You know, are you providing opportunities for them to kind of peek behind the curtain? Because there is a big difference between what people see in a meeting and what people see in the office place versus what really goes on behind the curtain. Uh, amongst the leadership and how leaders make decisions for the organization. Are you allowing those people that you've earmarked to be like, you know what, you are the future of this organization. We believe in you. We're going to give you an opportunity to kind of sneak peek behind the curtain and see what really goes on. Yeah, you, you know what we're telling everybody else in the public, but here's the politics that goes into it. Here's the behind the door stuff. Here's the stuff that Unless you experience it, you'll never learn it. And you got to watch it 
and experience it and go through it in order to digest it. So how are you setting up succession planning? Who are you identifying to be your next leaders of your organization? And how are you continuously mentoring them? And what mentor program do you have set up for that? Um, you know, a lot of organizations say that they do mentor programs and they have them, but there's a failure either on the mentee side who they fail to put forth the appropriate effort or the mentor who fails to put towards the appropriate effort. Uh, so how do you pair people up so that way you get the right amount of effort on both sides? So one person's not feeling like they're putting in more effort than another person. So just kind of you know things to think about when it comes to succession planning. And going along those lines, you know, how are we providing, uh, you know, training and development opportunities for current employees, right? So you, you've developed, you know, your training plan and you've earmarked those who are going to be your next C-suite leaders, those who you think are going to be good for the organization long run, or you've earmarked those externally who you think you might want to bring into them. How are you developing a training plan and providing opportunities for current employees, because they also would like to feel like, hey, you know, I matter too. You should invest in me. And then when you do invest in them, they will work that much harder for you in the long run. Because they know, like, hey, they're actually investing the time and the effort and energy in me. So I'm going to put that back into the company. So what are we doing to train them and develop them and give them opportunities for success? And then, you know, what are we doing for employee retention programs. I think that's probably one of the biggest areas right now where many organizations are really taking a look at what do my retention programs look like and how am I keeping talent? Because in this day and age, the teams with the best talent with the hardest work win. They're successful, hands down. You got talent plus hard work plus dedication, you're going to win. You're going to succeed. They're going to put in the effort. So what are you doing to keep other people from stealing your people away from you? What are you doing to make sure that you're trying to keep your people and you're not running them off? Uh, you know, there's the great exodus of the great quit last year around this time. Everyone's talking about how, oh, nobody wants to come back to work. Everybody is quitting. Everybody is fleeing. Everybody wants to be on welfare. Well, maybe people want to be treated like people. Maybe we need to put a better investment plan into our people. Maybe we need to make sure we're actually looking at the things that matter in our retention programs. You know, I was currently looking at a retention program uh, a couple weeks ago, and I can share this now, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, you know what? There is really no incentive for someone to stay in a certain organization. There's really no incentive other than you just want to. And you know, looking at it, it's like, hey, you know, there's more to offer here and you're not reaching the people where they want to be reached. And then there's some bureaucratic, you know, tape and everything else that you can do to manipulate that situation to get to the people where they're at. But if you're in an organization and you come to the realization that, hey, you know what? I really got nothing to offer my employees other than a paycheck. I really got nothing to offer other than a cool work environment and maybe a paycheck. You're not going to keep anybody because they're not going to be vested. They know that they are a pawn in the greater scheme of things. If that's your type of organization, they will work hard for you until they find a new job and then they move on. 
you know, I um, actually was watching a TikTok the other day, and a guy actually was scrolling through his entire feed because he was telling this really long story about a toxic work environment he was in that he was in for five years. And he dealt with it for five years until he could find another job that gave him the same salary and amazing benefits. And those were the two things that he was talking about. And I'm like, so you just want amazing benefits and a good job, but you're willing to stay in a work environment for five years that you know is toxic and you hate because you can't find another organization that gives you those two things that you're looking for? Like, how sad is that as a as a job market, right? So I think overall, uh, we can do better uh, when it comes to retention programs. And it's not just about benefits. You know, it's about your company's culture. It's about your company's climate. Um, it's about your organization tempo. You know, how are you working people? What are their shifts? Are you burning people out? Are you rewarding people? You know, those are all things that you need to, to think about when it comes into maintain, maintaining talent. And how do you do all these things without running people off and hitting that talent cliff? So this is, again, this is nothing new. The talent cliff is nothing new. It's been around for ages. And, you know, everyone's always trying to figure out how do I maintain that competitive edge where I retain my people, I provide them training, I can you know, have the next group of people that I think that are going to run this co- this this company uh, earmarked. And that's even harder to do today uh, because nobody's really loyal to one organization. People kind of move around a lot. So I believe the statistic I ran was the average adult has 10 to 15 jobs before they even retire at the age of, um, of 65. And now that's going to 70 because of Social Security and everything else. But, you know, just those are things to think about, right? So how do we how do we approach this talent, this talent cliff, right? How do we make sure that we are not going there? And I think if you apply the principles that we've talked about in this episode, you will definitely uh, not hit, you will push that cliff off further and further the more you invest into those areas. Because even if you do lose somebody, you've at least mitigated the risk of the lack of knowledge and a gap. And uh, I do a counseling with my folks when I'm, uh, first, within the first 90 days of sitting down with them, I tell them, look, as much as you work hard, I'm also judging you on how you transition out of this job so that there is no appearance of any drop in performance from the team that you lead, right? And I show them a graph of what I expect and how it all works out. And uh, If you want to see that, let me know. I'll, I'll post that on like Facebook or Instagram or something. But you know, those are always things that we need to think about is how do we manage talent and how do we make sure that we don't have that talent cliff? So as always, I want to thank you for stopping by and listening to today's episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. Before we go, I'd like to ask a favor of you. If you could please share this episode with one or two people who you think might like this topic. And if you haven't followed or subscribed on the platform you're listening to, please hit that subscribe button or the alert icons so you know when we post another episode, I don't want to waste your time. Keep coming back and we don't have anything new. So if you got some value out of this episode, please leave a review or a comment so we can help spread the show with people who may not know this show is, exists. And that review or that comment you made elevates that on the algorithms and they can find out about our show. Again, thank you for stopping by. I'm Tim Staten, Stating the Obvious. <laughs>